Thanks. So welcome. Um, Miguel Carmon, the founder and president of Memory, is a prominent authority on current developments in the Arab and Muslim world. And on I ask not to media. exaggerate. She <laughs> begins right away. Okay, facts. Uh, between 1988 and 1993, Mr. Carmon served as chief advisor on counterterrorism to Israeli Prime Ministers Yitzhak Shamir and Yitzhak Rabin. In this capacity, he was chief coordinator of Israel's national counterterrorist defense deployment, including cooperation with other governments. In the field of diplomacy and peace negotiations, he served on the delegation to the 1991 Madrid Peace Conference as the deputy head of the Israeli team negotiating with Syria and in the subsequent negotiations in Washington, D.C. Between 1983 and 1988, he was a senior staff member of Israel's National Defense College, where he taught courses on the Middle East and the Arab-Israeli conflict. Since 1998, when he founded Memory, Yigal Carmon has served as president of the Washington-based institute, which explores the Middle East through the media of the region. Memory bridges the language gap that exists between the West and the Middle East, providing timely translations of Arabic, Persian, Turkish, and Urdu and Pashto media. Thank you. Please welcome so our subject of today is the impact of the Arab Spring on Arab and Islamic anti-Semitism. To begin this presentation, we have first to define, or I would like to define uh, anti-Semitism as we understand it at memory. And uh, to uh, explain its uh, limits according to our definition and then move to uh, its components and how were they impacted by the Arab Spring. So, in our definition, as we work on it, uh, anti-Semitism is only what the sentiments expressed against Jews, not against Israel. There is a perception uh, that uh, has its own justification uh, that uh, singling, uh, singling out Israel of all nations in itself is already anti-Semitism. Maybe, maybe not. We do not regard that in our publications and as anti-Semitism. It's bad enough as being anti-Israel, but this is not our subject. Anti-Semitism for us is what is against Jews in Montreal, in New Zealand, in Chile, and elsewhere, only not in Israel. There is an explanation for that, and I'll get to that later. So, uh, <coughs> of course, there is a connection between anti-Semitism and Israel and Zionism. There is a confusion made by many uh, proponents of anti-Semitism in the Arab and Muslim world who uh, like to present, particularly to the West, uh, the whole thing as emerging from the conflict. Uh, but anti-Semitism was there much before the conflict uh, between the Arabs and the Jews in Palestine. So this is not uh, uh, relevant to us. It uh, heated the conflict in many ways as I will explain later, but it was there long before. 
So what are the components of Arab anti-Semitism and Islamic anti-Semitism? There are basically four elements or four components. Uh, first component is anti-Semitism emanating from Islamic sources. And that is the, what used to be uh, as, uh, as uh, clear from the Quran and other Islamic sources, the love-hate relations between Muhammad and the Jews. At the beginning, he tried to enroll them, to have them follow him. And there were many expressions of uh, appreciation and even relations to the history as told or understood by the Jewish sources. Uh, but then when they did not follow him, the relations soured in such a way that it ended up in uh, the uh, expulsion uh, of the Jewish tribes from the Arabian Peninsula, some killed, some just expelled some taken uh, women and children as uh, captives and so on. So this relation, this troubled relationship ended up, uh, since the Jews did not follow him, ended up in a, an approach of absolute hate. Uh, the Jews are the killers of the prophets. Actually, they tried to kill Muhammad. And there are many stories and traditions, some Quranic, some traditions. So clearly, uh, people who try to kill the prophet and other prophets are uh, evil. They uh, even uh, um, deserve an, an eternal curse, uh, which is to be implemented over the years. It was written on them misery and humiliation. Uh, and this, as you will see later, is something that history shows and that, uh, that uh, is ordained by uh, divine will. Because of their misbehavior, because they deserve this punishment and the motive of punishment arises again and again in every uh, way, the Holocaust was a punishment. Everything is a punishment for their behavior. Everything that happened to them. And then, of course, uh, they uh, uh, are the descendants of pigs and apes. Uh, this is, by the way, lately we will show a video of that. Uh, the people of, the, uh, of Saturday namely the Jews, uh, in three verses in the Quran are described as people who, again, were punished. Why were they punished to become pigs uh, and apes? Because they circumvented Allah's uh, orders. Allah said you should not work in, on Saturday. The Jews of Ayla, which is Eilat, happens to be, uh, circumvented it. They dug a kind of a tunnel between the sea and uh, a hole that they did and the fish they did it prior to, to uh, Saturday the fish went into the tunnel got trapped in wherever they were 
they were tied and on Sunday they were used. But this is circumventing what Allah wanted. So uh, they should be punished and they were turned into uh, pigs and apes. By the way, later on it was many other uh, animals, lizards and other. I would mention all the time that uh, in many instances you should go to our website and find the, uh, there is a very uh, elaborate uh, research that we did on this. Jews are descendants of pigs and apes and other animals and uh, you will see there all the uh, sources and uh, what relates to them. And then there is the element of punishment goes back to uh, the uh, fact that uh, they are, there is this, the promise of the stone and the tree that at the end of day the Muslims will fight the Jews and the Jews will hide behind the tree and the stone and the tree and the stone will call upon the Muslim, O oh Muslim, O oh Abdullah, servant of Allah uh, a Jew is behind me, come and kill him. Now this, uh, that sounds uh, very, in its details, is very strange, is in fact a very symbolic thing. What it says is that the Jews are so evil that nature itself comes against them. Uh, this is what it means. It's not about stone or tree. It's that not just the, the Muslims are fighting them. Nature fights them because they cannot. Except for one tree, that is the Rarka tree, uh, that will protect them. They would hide there. And uh, some uh, sheikhs, uh, this is really funny, in, uh, in various places in the Muslim world say, indeed, if you look on Google Earth, you will find that the Jews are planting the Rarka tree. By the way, no one knows what is the Rarka tree, but uh, it's a, a tree that is not botanically known. But uh, th this is, uh, they, they are planting it, of course, because they know what will come at them at the end of days. And uh, we did a video uh, clip um, that uh, brings the different elements of this uh, tradition as uh, told by different sheikhs all over. And at the end we finish with uh, a picture of a tree, a family tree, a whole family can hide behind the one. Uh, but okay, uh, this is a way to overcome our feelings, but uh, this is uh, to laugh, but this is uh, a very serious thing. It's about nature uh, joining in rejecting the, the Jews as evil. So uh, these are the, basically the uh, um, Islamic sources. Uh, the second element are the uh, Western sources. And that is mostly the protocols of the elders of Zion, this book that was forged by the um, Ochrana, the um, secret police of uh, the Russian secret police in the time of the Tsar. Uh, and what it shows in some vague reference to the Rothschild family, it shows how the rich Jews together with rabbis 
are planning to how to take control of the world. And uh, you see the elderly uh, Nathan, uh, Nathan or Anshel Rothschild and his deathbed dividing to his son, you take France, you take England, you take the Vatican, you take this, you take that, yeah, you know, to control the world. Uh, another element, Western, is the blood libel. The blood libel, namely, the Jews are using, uh, are using uh, the uh, blood of uh, young non-Muslims, mostly Christian, because this was the story, uh, but also uh, others, uh, to use it for their Passover um, uh, matzot, matzah. Uh, this is a, uh, something that began in the West and of course trans, uh, was transferred to the Arab world. And imagine no other than the most rejectful regimes to, uh, to Western culture endorsed it totally, the Saudis and the Iranians, also others. But both these regimes that are generally uh, claiming to have a culture and civilization of their own, uh, just swallowed this Western thing into their own uh, mythology. And uh, sometimes in a total mix, there are sometimes, uh, uh, usually it's for Passover, but there are also some who say it's for Purim, and, uh, which is another Jewish holiday. And uh, there are different uh, uh, descriptions of how this blood is taken, that you take a, a little a boy, uh, less than 10, in a uh, barrel that has needles and uh, he is squeezed between the needles and the blood that comes out is of course purer and uh, more usable like extraction of uh, good stuff for the uh, cakes or the bread. The third element is the uh, Holocaust. On the one hand, it's denial, but on the other hand, and this is a new phenomenon, it's confirmation, praise, and the call for another uh, round. But this time, at the hands of the believers, namely the Muslims. This is done by very prominent uh, leaders, uh, spiritual leaders, and also at the popular level, uh, as we will show later on, the uh, uh, a TV uh, channel in Egypt that uh, uh, shows the actual footage of the Holocaust, the most horrific pictures of the past with the bodies. Pra again, praise to Allah, praise to Allah, as he said, they, it was written upon them, humiliation and uh, misery, and here is the proof. And some, sometimes when you hear the speaker, you think 
he, he has some empathy, you lose it because he explains it as a punishment and that how miserable they are. And then comes the striking sentence, and next time, God willing, at the hands of the believers. And even in the level of a, a football a popular game, imagine what it takes. In Egypt, you will see uh, a whole, um, what do you call it, uh, a sign that stretches on several tribunes. Imagine what organization this needs with the writing one nation for a new holocaust. Just the organization of it. Imagine a football uh, stadium and it goes for like three, four uh, tribunes holding it. The fourth element is uh, the demonization, general demonization. This is really funny for those who uh, need this uh, um, some way to be uh, relaxed over this hate. Uh, because almost everything that happens in this world, every catastrophe, every, everything is, uh, was done by the Jews. I'll give some examples later. Uh, and I know that you will laugh and uh, that's okay uh, if it makes it easier. But you should always remember that there are people who take it seriously. So before we go to the examples, there are some questions to be asked. One, is there a difference between Sunni anti-Semitism and Shiite? And the answer is simple, no. Uh, where does it come from? People are not born anti-Semites. Uh, I, I guess this is clear to all of us. They get it. And it comes from education systems, from the mosque, from the media, this is, which is full of it. Uh, are there people, and this is the most important question, are there people who oppose it? And the very uh, uh, encouraging answer is yes, there are, and I could say even growing numbers. And uh, if we don't hear all of them, uh, this is because we don't hear much about the Middle East that is uh, original from sources. This is why memory exists, but uh, yes, there are. And we'll give one example, which is fantastic. Yesterday, uh, I was amused to that when we showed it in the presentation that I did yesterday, people at the end clapped. Uh, because a great guy, no question, a great guy, uh, the way he deals with this. And just incredible to those who don't know, but you should know there are many. We have an event uh, every year on Capitol Hill uh, in which we uh, pray on the, at the speaker's dining room with all the 
relevant dignitaries that uh, uh, are inter interested in the subject. And in every year we have Muslim, Arab or non-Arab, who speaks out against this uh, deplorable phenomenon. And this is just a small number, there are many. So now we move, we are going to move to examples, some on the video, some here. I hope everybody knows that you came here for three hours. <laughs> and uh, if not, uh, I'll keep talking, whoever leaves, leaves. Uh, uh, did something happen with the Arab Spring? Or how did it impact this phenomenon? And uh, I must uh, set, st state uh, that the general amount of material has lessened. It is understandable. They are busy with themselves. There is no more time for uh, other issues. Moreover, they know that it's not the Jews who are killing them. It's Assad, it's Salah, it's Gaddafi. They, you cannot tell them any more lies and fabrications. They know who is shooting at them. They know who is killing them. So it doesn't work anymore to say the Jews, the Americans, the, the uh, Israelis, they know that this is uh, meaningless. So, and moreover, the uh, education systems of the governments that were behind this phenomenon for uh, decades, uh, century, uh, don't work anymore. It's all in disarray. So it's less, inevitably it's less. On the other hand, there is another phenomenon that there is freedom of the media in a way that hasn't uh, happened in the past. So with the internet, there is also room for everyone to express his uh, anti-Semitic feelings. So the fact that is less, that things, that expressions are less, is even more um, um, indicative that with all this freedom on the internet, there isn't as much as was before. Now I need to um, reserve what I said. And that is the following. It is not that the sentiments disappeared. The sentiments are there. Uh, take Europe. I mean, uh, Europe has had its spring, ages and uh, decades, and is an Europe free of anti-Semitism? Not really. Uh, here the spring is only beginning, so of course the the sentiments are there. Their expression has lessened because of the reasons I mentioned. But it comes out. I would apologize to those who heard me yesterday with two examples, but then we'll have many others. Uh, like uh, one, uh, there was a poll uh, that said that Israelis, I don't think that this poll was uh, true or what, but doesn't matter. It was out there that the Israelis support uh, Assad. So uh, someone of the rebels writes, uh, 
Of course they support Assad because it spills our blood and they need our blood for Passover. So, yes, why wouldn't they support Assad? Or uh, another case which is uh, quite known, this Libyan lady, Iman al-Awadi, who uh, you may have seen her on TV, a young woman, uh, women, uh, a human rights fighter in Libya, that did this uh, crazy thing to go to the uh, hotel in Tripoli where journalists were and to talk to them. And she was immediately taken violently by the thugs of Gaddafi, he was still there, and uh, beaten on camera and raped and put in jail. And, and then she was uh, released, or better said, thrown out. And CNN had a report about her, and they had her mother in Benghazi with a cell phone, and she was in Tripoli with another cell phone that they gave her. And uh, this, the conversation, a very emotional one, was uh, uh, live. Uh, and uh, there was uh, uh, a lot of crying in this uh, conversation. And then the mother tells the daughter, my daughter, you should go to the Tunisian border, cross it. They allow people to cross from Libya go, leave this country, go. And this girl, who is the best that you can expect of new rebels that fight for human rights, and this is again from bitterness and from stereotypes that exist and cannot be removed. Uh, she says to her mother, uh, why should I go? I don't want to go. I don't want to leave my country. Let him go. Qaddafi, uh, that Jew. So uh, now, and this was not translated by the CNN, the, that Jew. So maybe we should talk about anti-Semitism and, and somewhere else. But uh, this is a, a miss, uh, an intentional miss for sure. Uh, <coughs> there are other examples, like what I mentioned, a new. Uh, a whole nation for a new holocaust, which you will see. Actually, Elliot, let's begin showing it. Uh, this was after the revolution in Egypt. And uh, uh, President Morsi, with a statement about the apes and pigs, uh, this actually, this was before the revolution, but when he had to talk about it, after it was exposed, he couldn't say anything. Clearly, he cannot say anything meaningful because this is Quran. What can he say? Condemn it? It's inconceivable. He cannot condemn such a thing. Uh, so, it's there by the fact that he said everything taken out of context and this, that. Well, you know, it's, it's the origins. So, let's just see this and we'll move to other examples. Yeah. Imagine uh, three, four tribunes for sure. Okay. So uh, I would begin with the um, the uh, 
toughest of all, which is the Holocaust uh, approval and uh, the call for another one. We have many examples, so we will do it very short, uh, so that it is we don't uh, finish with that because it's really tough. Uh, we'll begin with the first is Sheikh Yusuf al-Karadawi, Dr. Sheikh Yusuf al-Karadawi, one of the leaders of Sunni Islam, leaders of the Muslim Brotherhood, and uh, a spiritual leader for the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt. And he explains uh, what happened to the Jews, why did it happen, and uh, how they deserve it. Now the uh, TV channel in Egypt uh, that uh, shows the Holocaust and has the same ending. But you will see in the description uh, the motifs of the punishment, the misery, the humiliation. Misery, humiliation. That is what was written on them, uh, ordained on them by divine will of Allah. And uh, this is really happening. It's kind of a proof, actually. And uh, praise to Allah, whatever he said is happening.
always. Uh, so uh, no denial, everything there, uh, absolute confirmation. But there are others who still deny. Uh, we take uh, the Iranian uh, French co-production with uh, Diodonné, the comedian turned into political comedian uh, that uh, uh, produced with Iran a movie called The Anti-Semite. Straightforward, no... Uh, and uh, mocking what for them is the myth of the Holocaust. Uh, again, the music is so uh, nice.
another production, totally Iranian, uh, is uh, reminding very much the uh, uh, Stürmer, the German uh, uh, cartoonist who uh, uh, described the Jews, as you will see in the publication uh, in this magazine. And uh, again, it's how the Jews exploited, invented and exploited the Holocaust. This won, this won a prize in a cartoon contest in Iran. This piano sounds to me some Jewish lyric. Uh, <clears throat> so there is this uh, description of the uh, um, Shoah as uh, a way to exploit, to get money. Uh, there is also the denial of the uh, numbers. And in this, we have uh, no uh, less uh, big figures than Karadawi, uh, the uh, uh, head of the PA, uh, generally speaking, relatively um, uh, moderate uh, person, uh, Abu Mazen, who had his PhD in Russia, in the University of Moscow. Uh, I guess not written by him, it's in Russian, we have a copy of it. Uh, and. Uh, but uh, he doesn't know Russian, so how come? <laughs> uh, but there is a signature there. Uh, and uh, by the way, in this PhD, there is no denial of the Holocaust. 
And it's understandable because the Russians, the Soviets at the time when he was doing his PhD in whatever way, <coughs> unknown to McGill, uh, he did not, uh, the Russians, the Soviets did not deny the Holocaust, to the contrary, they were proud of liberating Auschwitz and uh, fighting the Nazis. But Abu Mazen wrote a book on the basis of this PhD. And in this book he added an introduction. And in this introduction there is this regular trick that uh, says the numbers are exaggerated. He quotes Raoul Hilberg with a number of page where he says that Raoul Hilberg said that the number, uh, I hope if you don't know, he's one of the researchers of the Holocaust and one who dealt with the numbers. And uh, he says, Raoul Hilberg says it was 800,964. And you go to the book by Raoul Hilberg, The Destruction of European Jewelry, and there is no such thing. So that's a totally made up thing to claim that this is uh, uh, exaggerated for whatever and it's academic work. The, bad, the problem with this uh, book or the PhD also, and that is absolutely Soviet uh, message, is the description, the whole book is about what he calls the collaboration of the Jews with the Nazis. This is an element that appears in many other anti-Semitic to our description uh, messages. And what is this collaboration? It is about the, what is known as the Havara Agreement in 1935, the Zionist movement in, in, Berlin, in Germany. Uh, made an agreement with the Nazi authorities at the time. It was a rescue agreement of a community that knew it's going to, the, to, to be finished. And it was an arrangement by which they give their properties in an organized way and they are let go to Palestine at the, of the time. This rescue agreement of people on the edge of extinction is described as the collaboration of Jews and Nazis, Zionists and Nazis. This is an absolute Soviet message and this is what is the big story in his book and in addition this stupid thing about uh, Hil quoting Hilberg saying it's just less than a million. But we are talking about a very prominent figure and not one that uh, is Iranian uh, extremist or what uh, um, is uh, in the same way that Karadawi is not a regular uh, what you would call jihadi person, it's Muslim Brotherhood. So this is the message. Uh, <coughs> of course emanating from this is the rejection to uh, teach the Holocaust where curricula that UNRWA, uh, the United Nations Agency for Relief and uh, Work, tried to do and it was just rejected and uh, couldn't be implemented. So let's move to something more uh, uh, in a funny way. 
there is this joke. We need jokes for this uh, kind of material about the guy who, a Jew who reads anti-Semitic stuff. So his friend asks him, why are you reading that? And he says, uh, what do you mean? It says that we are so powerful, we are so great, we are ruling the world, we are doing this. It uh, gives me a uh, um, good uh, feeling. Okay, not too much to laugh. Oh, <coughs> no, let's move to the Islamic sources first. So, <coughs> with the Islamic sources, let's see first uh, a um, Morsi, president, president of Egypt. Uh, with the uh, apes and pigs. I did not bring an animation by the Iranians, but it's all over, it is not a Shiite thing, an animation for kids that uh, describes it as a movie for kids, how they do what they did and they come to some other uh, come to see them and suddenly they see them turning into apes and pigs and the, the people in animation uh, become apes and pigs. Very funny. Uh, so, <coughs> let's see Morsi, just for a little bit and then we move to others. example of how the conflict creeps into his message. But then you have to fight them everywhere. Uh, I don't know why it was cut in Palestine, but everywhere in the world. And uh, he did not need to go back. If he had talked about the conflict, about Palestine, about what uh, the Jews, the Zionists, uh, not Jews, are doing, fine. Why go back to the apes and pigs? Why, what is this part of? Well, it's part of because they are Jews. And then comes, and it has to be fought in Palestine and in the whole world. And this is what the Saudi Sheikh uh, says, Jihad against the cursed Jews everywhere is a supreme duty. The element of the fact that they were cursed 
it's uh, binding on the believer. It's not just a descriptive thing, okay, they were cursed and Allah will take care of it. No, this is the duty of the believer to do that, to implement that which Allah has ordained. And uh, it's not to happen just by Allah's will in a, um, in a way that uh, humans, believers, are not part of it. Uh, Iranian um, uh, series talks about, uh, and this is by the way from printed material, what I'm reading to you. Of course, I urge you to go back to memory.org and to just click. Uh, we have the, it's the Lantos archives on anti-Semitism and Holocaust denial, all in one place. You don't need to do any search. You just go to the Lantos archives, everything is there. So they talk about what uh, the Prophet did to the Jews and to the Jewish tribes in Saudi Arabia. In the, not Saudi Arabia, in the Arab Peninsula. And uh, why he did it? Because of what they did. Because they conspired to kill him. Because they aligned with his enemies because they fought Islam from the first moment that Islam rose to humanity. And uh, the actual um, uh, conclusion is, uh, it is still possible to do to the Jews what was done to the, uh, to the Jews in Haiba. This is the uh, usual uh, uh, slogan that is read, Chaybar, Chaybar, Ya Yahud, Jaish Muhammad, Sarfa Yahud, Chaybar, O Jews, remember Chaybar, the army of Muhammad will come back. More apes and pigs. In Pakistan, I mean, there are no Jews, but this doesn't mean anything. You don't need Jews to be anti-Semites. You just have to have the notion of Jews. And uh, the Jewish race would have become extinct, but Allah had to keep this symbol of the slayers of the Prophet, uh, of ingratitude, of humiliation, and of misery as a lesson till the end of days. This is something that has, there is work to be done to make it happen. It's not happening out of itself. Uh, a sheikh in Tunisia that of after the revolution, Sheikh Ahmad al-Suhaili, uh, goes with the same uh, elements of the Quran of the evil Jews that have to be destroyed. Uh, and uh, by the way, in many, many prayers and sermons, there is the end of the prayer with supplication. Allah... Uh, deal with the Jews, dry the blood in their veins, make their wives uh, widows, do this, do this. This is supplication of the end of prayer. That is, uh, and uh, make Allah make the wombs of their women barren and dry up the loins of their men. New concept. And then it was uh, exposed and he had to um, to back down. So here is what he said, and uh, some of us should be happy. 
I did not call to kill them all, I meant a sect among, amongst them. Okay. We just have to be among the lucky ones and everything will be fine. Uh, I, having said that, I want to remind us all that the, some uh, Jewish activists in Tunisia uh, went to uh, see what happened to the synagogue in Jerba and he was attacked and they didn't let him do what he wanted to uh, rehabilitate the synagogue that was destroyed, like other things, not uh, particularly. And the government, and it doesn't matter uh, for what reasons, the fact is that the government stopped those who attacked him and allowed the renovation of the, of the synagogue. So this is also to be remembered. Now uh, we move to the uh, Western sources. And uh, as I said, we have those two. Uh, by the way, what I brought here is uh, last four months. And I say about that that this is, that the material is less and less. So now guess what was before. Uh, it was really big. Uh, so we have the protocols, uh, and this is not just when Pesach comes, but uh, uh, all the year. And uh, the, uh, uh, both Shiites and Sunnis, and uh, it's, uh, what can I tell you, it's nine pages of a series in the Iranian media on this element with stories, we have all the, this is new, and I wanted to bring new stuff after, even though in Iran there, there was no revolution, it was three years ago or more, but uh, after the Arab Spring Revolution, and it's no different in the Arab world, and uh, it's an unending series of uh, the blood libel with stories that you don't know where they come from, historians on TV, people with PhDs sitting in a, in a studio, uh, like uh, scientists uh, talking, historians talking in an environment of, and one talks about uh, uh, some 150 kids that were kidnapped in France and, uh, and their blood was taken, but the Jews managed to silence the, the French authorities, so it didn't come out. And uh, in Britain, and the same, like, they don't only do that, they, they control the media, so of course they, they, uh, they can silence any criticism of that. Uh, in Jordan, you find many who relate to the protocols, not clear uh, why, wherever the inner struggle is, uh, is uh, high, uh, there are people who heighten the tension. Uh, in uh, every paper piece is an I put aside as an article, uh, I'm looking for uh, the proof. And the proof is, as a Saudi um, researcher says, the protocols are being implemented today. You don't need to prove that the book was forged or not. 
even if it was forged, the proof is in the pudding. In the, it is, look at what is happening and you know that the protocols are true. Look at the world controlled by Jews and you know that this is true. It is about the control of the world. It's the, the, the trying to look for world domination and using every element in, in their uh, way. For, so there is a list. Destroying the values uh, and rule societies, replacing the values with the rule of the state. Limiting the control of the state in favor, it's contradictory, of control of the UN. Subjecting the UN to the control of the Jews. Spreading the culture of equality between sexes. Legitimizing relations between women and men other than their husbands. So that the men lose their hold over their families, banish their wives. Okay, destroying marital values and the family relations, and legitimizing prostitution. Much of it is from the Nazi propaganda about the way the Jews corrupt society. Uh, humiliating and degrading religious clerics, prohibiting corporal punishment. How does that relate? As a stripping uh, tribal leaders of all material and moral authority, rejecting traditional customs, eradicating from uh, people consciousness and instructive stories and parables of their ancient heritage, uh, rewriting history. At the end, it gets to taking over Greece by Jewish bankers. The whole crisis, as an a current example. The whole crisis in Greece was done by the Jews so they can buy and uh, cheap all the companies, all the institutions all the, and take control of it. Uh, we move to demonization. Uh, who did Sandy Hook? <laughs> you know. We can say it in a, yeah. but also other examples. Uh, all porno movies, who is behind them? Who is the porn in the industry? We talked about that, the Jews. Uh, in the past, we had the tsunami, which was created by the continent plates uh, coming. This is, of course, uh, the Jews. Uh, Jews are a disease. Uh, that spreads throughout the world, uh, virus and so on. Um, the, uh, the Jews helped Hitler with the gas chambers, killed the ambassador to Libya. There is, this is endless. I mean, uh, this is, oh, the Jews uh, are behind Myanmar uh, uh, persecution of Muslims. They are connected to the Buddhists. And they are behind the Myanmar uh, uh, persecution. Okay, it's time for us to see an example of a uh, courageous young researcher in Egypt, uh, Dr. Said Okasha. He is in a, in a uh, very prestigious research center in Egypt, uh, a, uh, the Al-Aram Center for Strategic Studies 
very reputable as a national center from the time of Gamal Abdel Nasser. And uh, he's invited to talk about the uh, Holocaust in a program where the, the program has done already the research. Now we are going to skip all this part because it's a confused, uh, 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 totally uh, uh, baseless uh, description of how happened, what happened, that the Jews uh, um, um, incited, managed to get close to Hitler to, to talk him into invading Russia uh, and get stuck there. Like it was known that this is what happened, even though he saw them as enemies, so how does it work? doesn't matter. Uh, <coughs> the Jews have done this. The main debate is about the number, and the lady who did the research for the program, she's the anchor, she said it's 30,000, and there are versions 150,000, and the Jews, she says, are three uh, say it's 3 million, and on and on, endless we will move right to the beginning of the talk with him. She wouldn't let him speak, basically. He has to fight for the opportunity to speak. And at the end, he tells her everything, not only about this Holocaust research that she does, that she did, but also about other things which he raises out of his initiative, the protocols, and then uh, the, um, the story of World War II, and then he goes to um, the uh, Sabra and Shatila, who did it because it's Jews, forget Israel, Jews, as uh, would come up. He, go, he uh, relates on his initiative to every myth and uh, fights it. Now imagine that this guy has to go the next day to the, his uh, office in the Laram Center and meet his uh, colleagues and they would tell him, what the hell are you talking there? What is it? And this is the discourse. This is, it will look to you strange, this is what he has to fight. It's not just on this program, it's everywhere. So we'll see this guy, great guy. I'm going to 
الحكومات الموثقه اللي عندنا انه هو اليهود بيقولوا انه هم ثلاث ملايين ولو احنا ذكرنا ثلاث ارقام احنا قلنا ثلاث ملايين وانه قلنا 150000 وقلنا 30000 
ازمه كبيره ولانه هذا الموضوع يعني اليهود بيتهمونا بانه احنا نعبر نسميها سبب انه احنا ناقشنا هذه البروتوكولات ونحن اساسا داخلين مبدئيا يعني دخلنا برج على أنا بقول لك عراقية، أنا بقول لك عراقية هذا أنا درسته في بغداد، يعني أنت 
الشيخ ده وصل قال له لا بس الكلام المسجد الاقصى مذكور قال له كانت المشكله على المسجد خدوا المسجد. انا بصراحه في ناس اكثر من ده احسن من ان انا اقطع بقى بنيه. حماس كان بيروح كارثه ومجاله وجودها كارثه. لانها مجاله الصراحه. Well, imagine a catastrophe and other things. Okay. Uh, so I'm sure you will feel better uh, when you leave after him. There are others as well. Uh, questions? Yes, please. You began your presentation by giving a definition of anti Semitism. And basically, you mentioned that excluding Israel. Everything else is anti-Semitism. There are two new books. One is uh, by Benjamin Epstein, New Anti-Semitism. And the other one is by Nathan uh, Palmutter, the, the Real Anti-Semitism. Can you comment about these two other definitions? Of well, all definitions may be legitimate, but uh, I'm not, I must admit, I didn't read the books, and I don't know. Uh, but this is our, uh, should I say, arbitrary definition uh, to take the minimal, which is already a huge in number, just that which relates to the Jews anywhere else that has no um, pretext. I don't want to say justification. Because once you deal with the Israeli element, with the conflict, some would say, okay, you know, they perceive their situation as harmed so much by Zionism and that, so you can understand. But by our definition, you cannot understand, in the, I mean, in the sense of you cannot justify anything, not even have a pretext. Yes, please. Yeah. You've presented the problem, but you have not done very much by way of giving us anything to work on in terms of a solution. Obviously, we need more Egyptians like that, very gentlemen. How do we support people like that? Um, and the second question is, uh, is there a class issue? Is there a class element to this kind of uh, uh, racism? Is it primarily ignorant people that buy into it, or is it is it extensive throughout all different classes, whether they're bourgeois or, or peasants or whatever. All classes. So what's an easy way? And my, third, my third comment yeah. is, I think one place to work would certainly be within academia, because academics don't want to see this stuff. They do not want to see it, because if, if, you, if you show that, you are immediately branded as a racist and an Islamophobe. And whatever's shown there is dismissed as a, well, it's about the equivalent of Rush Limbaugh, all right? Nah, it's like Rush Limbaugh, it doesn't really mean anything. So I would say that, that academics need to be shamed into, into taking a position where they are prepared to say Islam is fine, but the way these people are interpreting it is disgusting and beyond, beyond belief. And I don't think enough academics are aware of this kind of poison. First of all, I must admit that memory is not in the business of solutions. But I will say something. We, our role is to present what we see, to analyze it, but not to, to uh, suggest solutions. 
once we begin with that, we deal, you know, anti-Semitism is just one of six projects of ours. And uh, in none of them we suggest, unlike other uh, research institutes that have recommendations and policy papers, we have none. We limit ourselves to what is there, and it should serve others to suggest. But yes, you're right that once you see this guy, and many others, as I said, many others, you know that this is the road. Of course, education, education systems in the Arab and Muslim world are the ones that embed these anti-Semitic myths in children's heads. Education systems have to be impacted in some way. Is that a recommendation? I don't know. It's something that the West should follow. UNRWA, UNRWA wanted to enforce the study of the Holocaust. It did not succeed. And the, the teachers rebelled. The teachers, the children didn't uh, have... But, but not speaking from memory, but you yourself, just as a private individual, do you have any insights? I mean, the, the, like answer is, the answer is to support liberals and reformists, not to support uh, regimes like Morsi uh, that bring Egypt backward. Uh, the answer is to support people like him. I have to tell you a story to uh, stay away from North America. Uh, once uh, when we had an office in Germany, the foreign... Uh, office uh, invited us to, to talk to us. I went, there was a, her doctor Troutwein, the head of the nearest uh, office, and uh, he asked me, what are, we, what are you doing? And I explained what we are doing, and then I said, uh, in one area we go beyond just uh, bridging the gap of language, etc. Uh, and that is in supporting reformists and liberals. How do we do that? I said we do it by helping them open websites, blogs, and uh, to have their world heard. And so he said to me, in, in the album, so he said to me, but if you do that, you will be destabilizing regimes we have supported for years. Uh, I said, of course, if we have uh, one blog or uh, one website, we are not going to destabilize anybody. But this is the notion. And uh, to act today against Morsi, who is the ally, totally mistaken approach of uh, the United States is uh, to fight uh, against uh, to destabilize the regime that America is supporting now. Uh, this is tough. Uh, I'm saying, yes, you have to support liberals and reformists, no matter what, even if they are not going to win that round. I'm answering a question that was, uh, I was asking private. It doesn't matter. As a moral approach, the answer is to support liberals and reformists, and there are so many. Yes. Yeah, um, I'm curious to know what what are the critiques that you face um, coming towards memory, and and what your response is to, to those critiques. First of all, critique has uh, 
was much uh, around in the beginning, but we are 15 years after our inception, so there's very little uh, critique, not anymore. Uh, in papers, in articles, in media, you wouldn't find much today, not almost nothing. Uh, there would be those who would say that we are selective in our choice, uh, talking about those who talk, uh, maybe you picked some lunatic. Anyone who knows who is Kardawi cannot say that. You know, Kardawi is the leading spiritual force. So it's all nonsense and it's not among... Uh, the critique is uh, basically uh, you are a Mossad, uh, not to the content. There is nothing to say about the content. So it's around uh, Mossad, uh, some professor in uh, Michigan said this is an operation of 60 million dollars uh, to smear their... Okay, I mean enough to go to our page of reformists and liberals to see that we show the positive, the, the liberals and reformists and for 10, 12 years now. So it's not... Uh, we don't face the problem anymore as uh, as we used to in the past. Uh, we are uh, quoted by uh, the New York Times, by the Washington Post, by CNN. What else do you need? Mm -hmm.